And another reminder that Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. It gives you everything you need in one place, and it's free. You can use it right from your phone or your computer. They have creation tools, so you can record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. And they'll distribute your podcast for free. So you can hear it on Spotify, Apple, Google, and many more. Just like us here at BraveMaker. Make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So download the Anchor app today and go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks to our sponsors. Now back to the show. Stories, scripts, and conversations with creators. This is the Brave Maker Podcast. Burden. Hey, this is the Brave Maker Podcast. We are at episode 49. I am with director Andrew Heckler and producer Robbie Brenner. This is kind of a cool full circle story. Quickly, two years ago, I saw this film on its premiere at the Sundance Film Festival, which is a shout out to my buddy Josiah Akinyele, who's a talent agent in LA. And he said, Hey, I got an extra ticket. Do you want to come? I said, yes, free, free movie. Great. He's like, Oh, I represent one of the actresses. So we got to do the press line. I'm like, cool. So I'm walking through the press line with you producer and you director. I'm like, what is going on right now? I see, (laughs) I see Forrest Whitaker. Like, this is amazing. All of a sudden Usher, Usher, where I'm in like the presence of Usher, and then I get swept up into the green room, and I see this whole thing, and I witness your film, and I was like, wow, this is a truly amazing, cultural, meaningful, really, really, really important film that uh, I was so glad to be a part of, the very initial first screening. And I'm going to show you later, I actually, maybe you've seen it, I filmed the response from Crystal Fox and put it on YouTube, and uh, I want to share that tonight, too, when we screen your film here for the Bay Area premiere, which is kind of fun to say. So thanks for being here. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having us. All right, so uh, let's let's talk about that, because I heard you say uh, that this was a film that was 20 years in the making. How and why? And tell us about that. Yeah, that's right. I, uh, I first discovered the story in 1996. It was a blurb in a little newspaper. Um, and it said, Klansman opens Redneck Shop and KKK Museum in a small southern town. So that's 1996, and I was like, what is going on? You know, usually it's, um, that's reserved for like the 1950s, 1960s, mm-hmm. if. And so um, I put the idea away, thinking I'd get back to it at some point and write something. But before I could, in 1997, another article came out and said, Klansman sells Redneck Shop and KKK Museum to Black Baptist Minister. And I almost fell off my chair. So I called the uh, Reverend Kennedy, and I went down to Lawrence, South Carolina. I ended up spending about 10 days down there for the first stint, because there were many. Um, getting to know him and getting to know the church and the deacons and Clarence Simpson, uh, Clarence Simpson who's, who's played by Usher as well. And, um, and just sort of fell in love with the people and fell in love with the place and spent a lot of time down there. So um, that was 1997. I wrote a draft of the script in 1999, Whoa. 2000. And at that time, had you written anything? Because I know you have an acting background. Yeah, I'd written, um, I'd written one other screenplay, but I'd written plays and things like that okay. um, and directed theater. I had a theater company out of New York, so um, it wasn't that foreign to me, but it really just sort of came out of me. I mean, I wrote the first draft in two weeks. Wow. Um, Based and- on the articles, not meeting... The real Mike Burden at the time, right? Um, I had not met the real Mike when I wrote the first draft. Okay. Um, I I had met Mike afterwards and then refined the draft. Um, 
but I'd also I had been to the clan shop and I'd hung out with those guys for quite a while. Uh, they I told them that I was a a white supremacist from Colorado and I was driving wow. through Lawrence, South Carolina. And, That's and, research uh, right there. And I thought, <laughs> you know, could I come by and check you guys out? And they were incredibly welcoming. And I went to the Redneck Shop and KKK Museum and I spent the afternoon of the day with them. And then and um, you know, as as like I always say that <clears throat> in order to tell a story about a Klansman getting out of a hate family, you have to not only understand mm-hmm. the hate family, you have to understand the Klansman mm-hmm. and get under his skin. And that was what you know I really wanted to do because I didn't want to tell a story about good and evil or black and white. And I wanted to tell, uh, tell a story about people. So the only way I could do that was meet the people and put aside my personal beliefs to look at them and try to understand them and put my, you know, my feet in their shoes. Um, so I spent a little bit of time with them and then uh, a lot of time around where guys in the clan were hanging out and got to know them a little bit. Um, and I think that really reflects sort of the, the nuances and the truths in the film is I just didn't want to paint them a, a color or a stereotype. I just wanted, you know, I wanted to make a movie about people and relationships. Yeah, I think uh, audiences kind of expect to come to the film, obviously, to villainize a KKK member. And there's some uh, credence to that. There's some value in that. But you also humanize them. You give them, you know, uh, family and love. And you give them a different perspective and a side that we don't often see, right? Mm-hmm. They're not yeah, just one Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll say that it's not really family. So let me clarify. You know... I really do try to, like you said, show who they are and where they're coming from. And so it looks like family, it feels like family, and it smells like family Mm -hmm. because that's what's attractive to someone who's vulnerable. But, you know, families are actually built on love. Mm -hmm. And and these families are built on hate. So it looks like it, but but hate, you know, families built on hate only go skin deep. Sure. And families built on love are more difficult, but they go all the way to the heart. So it's different. It's just a different dynamic. So, Ravi, as producer, uh, people often say, what in the world does a producer do? And I heard one of like the best definitions. They do everything, right? They do every single thing. They check actors into uh, uh, the hotels. They pick them up. They make sure craft services. And they have creative input into the script. But you have to make this film come to life. And this is not an easy story to tell. So I'm curious, just uh, your journey, why you decided to attach yourself to it, and then how uh, the past two years have been getting it to screen. You said off podcast, it's been a lot of wine drinking to make this happen. <laughs> well, um, well, first of all, Andrew and I have known each other for several decades. I, I met Andrew in New York City, um, God, when I lived there. I grew up in New York, and uh, when, when Andrew was an actor, and we had some mutual friends in common, and and then, you know, several decades later, I found myself, you know, I, I had always wanted to be in the movie business, and I went to film school at NYU, and I was working at 20th Century Fox, and I reconnected with Andrew. Somebody sent me his script to have a general meeting, and they sent me Burden, hmm. and I, I didn't know what to expect. You know, you don't expect that someone you know is going to write some script that's going to blow your mind, right? So, and I read a lot, and I read Burden, and I was just floored by it. It just absolutely grabbed me and it, 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 it never let go of me. It just got under my skin and I just fell in love with it. I thought it was one of the most beautiful, raw, um, real, authentic, important stories that I had really kind of ever read. And so we had talked about it and at the time um, it was encumbered. And so 
several years had went by and then I had a new job where I was producing and I uh, contacted Andrew and said, what's going on with Burden? And he said, well, you know, let's let's do this. So we got together, and um, I I told the story the other night. But I, Andrew was doing some press in New York City this past week, and I was watching his interview um, on TV, and I listened to him talk about the casting of Mike Burden, and he said at one point I think we had the whole Avengers cast because <laughs> <laughs> literally, and I just laughed out loud because we've literally had every Chris attached. We've had. Rest in peace, Heath Ledger. Um, oh. Just, just incredible actors, and so yeah. we have been on such an odyssey with this movie. But I have to say that every time Andrew sent out the script and got in front of an actor, everybody wanted to do it. I mean, not only did they love the script, but then they met Andrew and they were in. And then for whatever reason, you know, as movies kind of have their journeys, you know, one actor would fall out to do, to do an Avengers, you know, movie or to do, you know, whatever he was going to do. And so, um, Andrew and I started learning this journey together and we, it was just, you know, like independent movies, it was just, you know, incredibly hard. We, uh, we had a financer, he went to jail, um, of course, and then, like that. and then Andrew decided, you know, I'm done. I'm like, I'm out. I'm leaving the movie business. Whoa. I've had enough. And so he went off for a few years and, and started a company and I went off and sort of did my thing. And, and I was nominated for Dallas Buyers Club. Woo-woo. And, um, after that, I remember Andrew and I spoke and I said, burden's next. Uh-huh. You know, this was just, I, I feel, I feel as connected to Burden as as I did and do to Dallas Buyers Club, it's just it's just something that's been you know it's been an amazing an amazing Burden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that name has a lot of nuance and, no, for sure. and I mean, weight it, to it. Doesn't it was it? funny because Robbie. So in two thousand, we we had set up the movie um, with a couple of different people, and then someone said to me, "Why are you setting this movie up with other directors? I mean, you know the script." and this people and everything better than anybody else, you should direct the movie. So I said, you know, yeah, okay, you're right, I'll direct the movie. And the second I said I'll direct the movie, everybody fell out. <laughs> you're like, okay, is that a sign? What's so I was alone. Uh, I was uh, thanking him very, I was thanking him, like, thanks a lot for the suggestion because now I'm alone with this project. And we had, you know, some pretty worthy people attached. And so I went for a meeting with Robbie in 2004, 2005, wow. something like that. Such and a journey. about something else. Uh-huh. And she said, what's going on with Burden? And I said, well, everybody just fell off because I want to direct now. And she went, great, I'm in. Mm. <laughs> you know, and I, I was like, you know, people run away from stuff and Robbie ran to it. And, you know, it's funny that, you know, it's true. What, uh, what does a producer do? If you don't know and you're a writer-director of independent film, you better find out. Mm-hmm. Because without Robbie, there's no burden. Yeah. I mean, there's not even close to a burden. You know, and, and in, a ten, you know, in a time when, when people are all talk and no action, you know, when she came on in 2005, she just never gave up. She never gave up more than I did. And so, you know, you look for that fierce, determined, committed person who, you know, can take your project and, and will it to get made. And sometimes, you know, at, at, at our own financial and personal peril, sure. I mean, we didn't have the, the money when we started shooting Bird. It's, oh, really? It's, an, it's actually an amazing story. I'll interject here for a second. But, you know, so we were kind of getting back into the script and saying, like, now's the time we're going to make this movie. This was, you know, three and a half years ago. 
And Forrest had, had, Andrew had met with Forrest several times. He had, you know, was very interested. His uncle, I believe, was a preacher. It was, it was a story that he felt connected to. Um, and so I got a phone call, and the phone call was, what's going on with Burden? And I said, well, we're getting ready to make it. And they said, really, when I said in the fall, they said, well, great, because Forrest wants to do it, and he has a window. He's doing Steve McQueen's movie uh, up until October I think 20th, and then he's going to play Desmond Tutu on the other side. So he can give you these three weeks. I said, great, that's when we're going to make the movie. Wow. And so I said, Andrew, are you ready? And he said, well, can't we do this in January? And I said, nope. no, mm-hmm. you gotta, we got to go. We've got momentum. We're going to make the movie. I'm going to raise the money, and we're going to go. And I think that was in July, um, and we started shooting the movie uh, in October, and I hadn't raised a penny before July. Is this 2015 or 2016? This was 2016. 2016, okay. 20, 2016, right? You hadn't raised a penny. We, we lost our Mike Burden. We lost our Judy Burden. We didn't have a, uh, a Tom Griffin. So we had Forrest. Wow. And it was, Which helps, uh, right? And, and it was August. People. And so, you know, it was a little unnerving. Robbie and I would call each other like, you know, I'd wake up. We, we were having sleepless nights because Robbie was already spending money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she just went for it. I mean, just like, uh, you know, completely throwing caution to the wind, independent production. Just let's, we have for us. Let's just go for mm-hmm. it. And so I was begging her to stop spending money. And, you know, if I woke up at four in the morning or if I was still awake, which was usually the case, I could text Robbie or vice versa and say, hey. And all of a sudden, ding, the text came right back. Are you awake? Of course, are you? And so, That's a producer life. Boom. Yeah. So, uh, so it was pretty nutty. And, um, you know, we were just, it's amazing because that old stupid saying, everything happens for a reason and stuff like that. I mean, I just, I can't even imagine the movie with anybody but Gareth Hedlund. Yeah. I mean, I just can't imagine anybody playing Mike Burton with Garrett. I mean, Garrett was, Garrett is Mike Burton sure. in this film, and, and he became Mike Burton. Tell him that story, though. That's a great story. Which one? Well, I'll just back up for two seconds, because we, you know, we decided to make the movie in July, and as Andrew said, the only way that you're going to get a movie into production in October is you have to start spending, and you have to start prepping the movie. So I made the decision to start spending money, which was slightly irresponsible. And spending meaning on location, spending on Meaning West. putting down deposits for SAG and uh-huh, all the sure, other unions, sure, sure, meaning sure. scouting in Atlanta, putting people on the ground, spending hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, that's <laughs> sort of what you have to do. And when, I, when our casting director gave us a list of who was available for the fourth quarter, Andrew and I just about fell over because we went. We had just lost the actor. He he had he went off to go do another movie that was going to play Mike Burden. So we had Forrest, as Andrew said, and we looked at the list, and there was really nobody. And and Andrew obviously, you know, comes from he's an actor. He comes mm-hmm. from an acting background. I mean, he's all about like the authentic authenticity and great actors. And um, it just we had a there were very slim pickings. And so I thought, oh my God, what have we done? I remember coming into the casting office one day and Andrew was Skyping with an actor and he, he looked at me and said, I mean, like what, I like, has Mike Bird, like this guy is Mike Burden? Like what, what, like, why is this even happening right now? Yeah. You know? And, um, so Garrett, so Garrett had always been on the list early, early on. We wanted Garrett, uh, but Garrett had just done Mudbound. And so, mm-hmm. 
the word we got back was, what's it going to do? Like, do another clan movie? Are you mm. kidding? It's impossible. So someone, so Robbie, you know, had a, a personal connection to Garrett, knows him, uh, and got him the screenplay. And Garrett said, so what is another clan? What, am I never going to play another soldier? Mm. I mean, like, let me see the script. Good for him. Yeah. So Garrett read the movie. And liked it. So yes, now, but Garrett was, sorry to interject, Garrett was going on vacation well, no, no, for a month. I was about month. to get there. <laughs> so, so Garrett reads the script and he likes it, right? But yes, he's going on vacation to Italy on a motorcycle trip and we're starting to shoot soon. And so he says, of course I like it, but I want to talk to this guy. I want to talk to Andrew. I don't know him. I've never met him. So we set up a call. I'm actually at the airport flying back to Atlanta. And Robbie calls me and says, don't get on the plane because Garrett's about to get on the plane to Italy and he's going to call you. Oh, that's right. So I go, great. Story. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so I let one plane go. I let two oh planes gosh. go. I You're let three planes go. You're at the airport this whole time I'm waiting. I'm at the airport. And yeah. I'm getting texts from Garrett now saying, hey, man, I'm about to call you, but I'm with people. It's uncomfortable. We're running late. Oh, hey, man, man, I'm in traffic. Hey, man, this. Hey, man, that. Hey, man, sorry, I got to get on the plane. He gets on the plane. I've missed now five flights sitting Whoa. in Atlanta and I get on my plane and I'm now really unhappy. Yeah. So I sit on the plane and I said, you know, screw this. And I write uh, an enormous diatribe on an email to Garrett Hedlund about why he should do this movie, why he, you know, what, I, what the movie means to me. And it's a huge email and I press send so I can never get it back. Mm -hmm. And we land and now we're scouting and I'm begging Robbie to stop spending money and let's just delay and, and we don't have anybody yet. We've just gotten Tom Wilkinson and we don't even have a Judy. And I'm like, well, you know, what are we doing? This is insane. The, the, the roles are huge. And so <clears throat> I'm meeting an intern. I'll never forget. I'm in the Atlanta office, freaking out, meeting an intern about, like, I don't even know why. And all of a sudden the phone rings and, and I pick it up and it's, hey, this is Garrett. And I, uh, and, and I, I have to run to a quiet place because it's on a cell phone, cell phone to cell phone, in case I drop him or whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm ever going to get him back on the phone. I run into the janitor's closet. And I hear this. Sorry, I haven't gotten back to you, but uh, <clears throat> I'm on a motorcycle trip. I haven't had any time. I'm sitting under an olive tree on top of a hill in rolling Tuscany, so having a glass of Chianti. And I had a moment to call you. And so I'm just here. It's gorgeous. And I said, I'm having a very different experience. <laughs> That's right. So are you in or are you out? You know, what, what? Listen, we're spending money. This whole thing is craziness. What do you yeah. think? And we had a good long talk. And at the end of it, he's like, I'm in. So, bam, we got our, our Mike Burden, and he's, he, of course, he's not coming back for 10 more days, and uh, we actually, when he, when he got back, he didn't fly to Atlanta, he flew with me, and we went, we went and met the real Mike Burden. Wow. And that started an odyssey where then I had to pick up, uh, we, Andrea Riseborough came on board, and she's, she's great. a phenomenal actress. Oh, my gosh. She had and, uh, four films at Sundance that year. You, yeah. You mm -hmm. premiered, yeah. Mm -hmm. So then we landed at the airport. I, I picked her up at the airport and took her up to meet Judy Burton. Um, and really that, you know, those two meetings with those two, with Garrett meeting Mike and, and Andrea meeting Judy, they're such unique characters as people that they weren't able to, they were able to sort of inhale them in and, and give those performances, which were, you know, somewhat amazing. In today's day and age, when everybody says less is more and mm -hmm. people are scared to make bold choices, you know, the actors that, that came for Burden, they brought it all. I mean, huge kudos to you for pulling off this really amazing story. And 
I want to know, I know you have a whole lineup of press coming in, so a couple more questions. I want to know just a couple more things. One, how did this impact you personally? Not just the making of it, but I think the story. Right now we're in such a really intense time in culture with racial tension and and white supremacy. It's like, you know, the masks are coming off. That's in your film, too. It's not like people are hiding behind masks anymore when it comes to their racism. Mm -hmm. This story is elevating the fact that this is happening today. Mm -hmm. How has this impacted you when it comes to just the challenges of people of color, black Americans in our country? Well, I thought you meant impacted us personally because I was about to say I've lost a lot of money making this movie. <laughs> oh, uh, well, I hope you make a lot double that. back oh. in the next couple <laughs> of months. This is all about you know passion and heart mm-hmm. and uh, zero about our pocketbook. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, in terms of that, it's actually interesting because we you know obviously the movie is not a response to anything that's going on present day because I wrote it in the year nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. It's not a political it's twenty movie. years relevant. Yeah, not more. I, I mean, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. It's more relevant now than maybe ever. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Um, you know, Robbie was with me in 2008 when Obama was elected. And we were like, okay, you know, everybody said that's the end of burden. Condolences. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a black president. Your movie's irrelevant. Oh, racism is done because, yeah, that typical yeah. thing. Oh, geez. Yeah. And I thought to myself, boy, I hope so. But yeah. uh, that wasn't the case. Sure. And, you know, all I can say is this. You know, we're, we're at a moment where the world is so polarized, you know, we, we are so in our corners and entrenched in our positions. Racism and bigotry and hatred are everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just talking black and white. You know, I'm talking everywhere. You know, it's so easy to just read headlines on newspapers and not actually read the article. Mm-hmm. That's why we're all sort of in our corners. It's so easy to name call and not actually look at someone in the face and say, huh, what is your position and how can we discuss it and maybe come to some sort of agreement on how we can move forward? You know, that... You know, what I'm finding is, you know, in, in this movie, I hate to say it, but, you know, I take the hood off the Klansman and lo and behold, there's a person under there. Mm-hmm. So how do you get to that person? Mm-hmm. How do you affect that person? And, and you know, we, we want to close our ears and close our eyes and not hear anything but what we want to hear right now. And that's a scary place to be. And, and you know, I'm always really honest about this. I've already heard from some African-Americans who are like, I don't want to see this stupidity. I don't want to see yeah. this kind of movie. And I've heard from white people like this is all prop- liberal propaganda. And I say, no, it's not. None of it. None of that's true. The headline of the movie, maybe, you don't want to see. Mm-hmm. But, um, but the truth is, this movie start about con- you know, starting a conversation. We're in extremes right now. And this movie is about how do you pull an extreme over to the other side? How do you pull someone's extreme hatred and bigotry all the way over to tolerance, acceptance, and love? Mm-hmm. Well, you do that. By the love of a woman and the faith of a reverend. But you yeah. really do it through love, through understanding, through forgiveness. And, and if you don't want to see it, you know, if you're not interested in seeing this, that's okay. You know, you don't have to buy my message. You don't have to buy the movie. But the alternative is more hate on top of more hate on top of more mm-hmm. hate. And that's a one-way street to hatred and race war. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I get that many people don't want to see this kind of thing. But if you plant a seed of love, if you plant it, it can grow into something interesting. If you don't plant it at all, nothing's going to grow. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're at. And that's, that's what it means to me. I mean, it really, you know, it, it really is a very simple message of this movie, which is, um, you know, it's easy. Uh, you, you cannot turn an enemy into a friend through hate. You can only turn an enemy into a friend through love. That's the simplicity of the message. It's a lot harder in practice and harder to than it's ever been. 
So, you know, I just implore upon people to take off their blinders, get out of their corners, and come out and see the movie and, and start a conversation about it. You, you're not going to agree with everything in it. And I'm not trying to humanize anybody or, you know, I'm just trying to say we're all people. Mm-hmm. And our actions are flawed. That's good. But the people mm-hmm. may, may not be. That's mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Abby, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I mean, I think everything Andrew said for sure. But for me, you know, I never really looked at it in that way as as a movie about racism. I always looked at it as a movie of love or sort of a coming-of-age story of this this man. Um, Similar in the way that I sort of viewed Dallas Buyers Club when, when everybody told me, like, Nobody wants to see a movie about a cowboy who contracts HIV. Like, mm-hmm. what are you talking about? You know, but I think that, you know, what I love about this movie so much is that it is hopeful. There mm-hmm. is a call to action. There is, you know, it's not just sort of like medicine. Like at the end, you're like, oh, God, you know, it, it's it's a beautiful movie. And it's very gray. And I think that's the way that life is. It isn't black and white. It is you, you don't just learn things overnight. It happens over very long periods of time through love, through healing, through through all of these things. And I think Andrew portrayed that so beautifully in the movie. And that's why I think people really respond to the movie because it doesn't pander, because it is real, because it it takes you to that place and then it takes you back and you're like, oh my God, you know? So yeah. it's, people really appreciate that. And we've heard that kind of time and time again in all of the screenings, whether it's Sundance, Wind Rider, you know, all of the places that we've screened this movie, you know, for people of color, for white people, it doesn't matter. Just the response has been, I, I was telling Andrew on the way over here, I, I, I did a, um, a Q&A on Monday night at the Landmark. And when I looked in down the aisle, like, you know, you always come in and you sort of feel the room as you're watching After the, the film, movie. Or during, okay. During mm-hmm. the screening. And there was a sea of gray hair. I was like, oh boy, people, they're going to be like running for the aisles. Like maybe huh. it's going to be too violent. But sure. I noticed that there were a lot of women, mm-hmm. older women. And... The movie got a standing ovation, and then after everybody stayed, I mean, there was over 100 people there, and older people, and they just said, this movie is so important. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. I was so moved by it. I mean, and that's really all you can do, as yeah. I think, as a producer and as a filmmaker, is is make something that, that sticks with people, that resonates with people, that moves people. I mean, unfortunately, you know, a conversation for another time, we're living... At a time where the independent film space, our movie is sort of becoming, you know, kind of dead in a way with all the streaming and, and all the, the way people consume media and how how much of it there is out there, which is sort of sad for me. Um, but I'm just hoping that, you know, Burden is going to find its place. And, and I've seen it do that. And, and hopefully, you know, it will. That's cool. I, yeah, I, I'm really appreciative to be able to screen it here in the Bay Area with Brave Maker. It's a perfect film for us and for our audience and for the things that we value. Talking about justice, especially, is an important topic for us. And uh, for me, you know, as a white person it's, who lives in California, I get in conversations about these kind of topics. And, oh, well, that's something that's happening in the rural South. But no, it's not. It's happening here, too. And we can easily talk about the subtle ways that hate has infiltrated us and the mm-hmm. ways that we other eyes people. And so I, I thank you for allowing us to have these type of types of conversations. And tonight's going to be cool because... We have a couple songs by the Oakland Interfaith Gospel Choir, so I they're gonna that. they're gonna kick us off. And I'm really excited about that, and hopeful for a great Q and A, which we call Q and R question and response, because we feel like 
nobody really has the answers. We're just doing our best to respond to these things as best we can. Um, last couple minutes before your next one comes in. The past two years, getting this film to the screen. Can you summarize? I know it's a long story, but you won Sundance, the Audience Award, which is a great award to win. People, the people were responding, not just the jury. And then two years later, it gets distribution. How was that and what took so long and anything you want to share about that? I think that um, Andrew and I will be uh, intrinsically connected forever. Uh, this movie, <laughs> um, Burden, is is so deep in, in my soul and in my heart. And, and even the, the journey, the odyssey that we've been on together, which has been so hard. I mean, there were days that we would call each other and I would have to pull Andrew mm. sort of out of the depths of the bowels mm. of just life and... Then days he would have to call me and I'd say, like, why? What is the reason? Mm. What is this burden? What <laughs> why are we here? Like I, I don't I don't understand, you know? Like you try to kind of make sense of it all and you just you just can't, you know? But, you know, I feel like as Andrew said, not to, you know, um, I do think that things happen the way that they're supposed to for a reason. I mean, this movie has had such an impact on such an impact on my life um, in so many in so many ways. It's really changed the course of my life in a lot of ways. Mm. A lot of uh, uh, a lot of the way that I think about things, the way that I think about you know life and 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 just my own personal life. So it's it's a very very special, very powerful movie um, for me, um, and I and I'm so proud of it to make something that you can look at that you have that you will have forever. Um, it, it, making, I always say, making a bad movie is hard. Right. Nobody sets out to make a bad movie, okay, but they're still hard. Okay, making a bad movie is hard <laughs> things to right. do. It, it's hard to make any kind of movie. That's right. and And so making a great movie is almost impossible. Yeah, miracle. And it is. And, and we were able to do that. And that mm -hmm. was truly because Andrew wrote something that was mm -hmm. honest and beautiful and, and important and, um, and also directed the hell out of it because that's that's what he's meant to be doing he you know it's like you you know people would say to me like how do you know that he he could direct this movie and it's like oh oh you know you, you felt you, it I in mean, your bones you, oh you feel <laughs> it it's like it's just yeah. he, you, 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 he's got it so well, everyone should be so blessed to have a cool partnership like you do we talk a lot on this podcast about braving your way in this industry and it really sounds like you put your heart soul sweat money emotions everything into this film and one thing i wanted to note earlier it sounded like too you put it you just put it on there in faith it was a risk you put it out of there and faith has a lot to do with this film too we didn't get a chance to talk about that tonight we will but to talk about putting it on the calendar without having the actors or the money and going i'm just going to in faith believe this is going to happen will come, that's right right it's on the calendar there's <laughs> money paid it's got to happen so i love that that's super inspiring to our community where can people find you i know the movie is at burden movie we'll put that link in the show notes are you two on social media are you connecting and putting stuff out in the yeah, I mean, uh, well, I, I'm not very good at it. Um, <laughs> you saw earlier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, were, they were tutoring Insta my, stories my, here. My <laughs> kid is helping me out. She's she's the social is media she a social genius. media ambassador for yes, Burden? Yes, for me. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's at Burden Movie. Uh -huh. um, I'm at Work Heck. Work Heck, okay. Yeah. Um, that's an Instagram thing. And... Uh, 
Yeah, on Facebook, Great. I think it's me. <laughs> I don't know. We'll find the links. We'll put them out there. Yeah, yeah, Anything appreciate else? it. Yeah, and it comes out uh, February 28th, New York and L.A., is that right? So if you missed the 24th premiere here in the Bay Area and you're in L.A. and New York, check it out then and then nationwide in March, right? Yes, yep. it'll roll out through the next, yeah. March. Great, and we'll be sure to be promoting all that. So, hey, good luck and kudos to you. Thank, Thank you so much so for much hanging out with us, us here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Having so, us. so happy to be Looking here. Looking forward to tonight. Yeah. If you haven't bought your tickets, go again. That's right. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Brave Maker podcast. Subscribe, give us a rating, and share with a friend. Brave Maker is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Our work is funded by generous patrons like you. Support the podcast with a tax-deductible donation at bravemaker.com. Want to be social? Find us on Twitter and Instagram at BraveMaker, Inc. Brave stories change the world. You are the story.